All right, we're back on Money Talk. I'm Andrew Work, and we are now going to take an eye to our regional competitor, Hong Kong's forever nemesis, Singapore. But we like Michael Swido, the Singapore-based author and financial commentator. Uh, he is a book coach, and now he is a publisher. Michael Swido, welcome to the show. Good morning, Mr. Work. How are you today? I'm doing. I'm doing great. You're a publisher now. You're. You know. I know you've written two business books. Uh, one of which was very Hong Kong, all about uh, the the rise and rebirth of Ocean Park, co-authored with Tom Merriman. Great for anybody who wants to read some Hong Kong business or give as a gift for Christmas. Plug, plug, plug. Um, but now you're a publisher. Letters to my grandfather, not my grandfather, but somebody's grandfather. Uh, what's that all about? Uh, this is an absolutely awesome book. Uh, the author is a wonderful artist based here in Singapore. She does collage, and it's based on a true story of when her father died and how her son, the grandchild, dealt with that. And it's a wonderful way of staying in touch with someone who you love, absolutely beautiful, and uh, it's now available online. All right. Well, uh, letters to my grandfather. Uh, your name, your name's not on it because you're the publisher, right? Or will, will it be in the fine print somewhere, Swido Publishing or... Uh, Swido Media is there as the publisher, and the author is Joanna Manekchi. And like I said, look her up. It's an absolutely fabulous book, and it really provokes great conversations. Okay, we're probably going to have to put that on our Facebook page because I'm sure nobody knows how to spell Manekchi. But we'll do that later because we are talking Singapore. Uh, it's the end of the year, Michael Swido. You're our main man uh, in the Merlion State. Uh, give us a quick hit. Like, What, what are the big hits for Singaporean business uh, that we might have struggled to remember until you reminded us now? All right. So if you look at the Straits Times Index, our blue chip index, it has gained a bit of ground over the past week, but it is still in the red for the year, down about 4%. Compare that to the U.S., and that is a lot worse than U.S. markets, where investors have been receiving double-digit gains. I mean, look at the Dow up 13%, S&P 500 nearly 25%, and the Nasdaq, wow, 40%, more than 40%. And I think that's actually one of the reasons Singapore stocks are struggling, because if investors can get a double-digit gain in the U.S., why invest, why invest elsewhere? Of course, you know, that's not true for all of Asia's markets. Singapore blue chips are also lagging behind Tokyo, Sydney, and Seoul. But hate to tell you this, they are doing better than Hong Kong. I know. We had a you know, the Hang Seng Index is off 16% since January. Oof, yeah, I know. We've just it, it hasn't been a good year for Hong Kong, but we're looking – next year's a dragon year, and that means change, and hopefully things will pick up. What are we looking forward to in Singapore for next year? Well, I think when you look at Singapore, there are a couple things you have to bear in mind. One is stocks here, people generally want them because of their dividend payments, not necessarily their capital gains. Uh, and if we look at the past year, I mean, the dividend payments do offset some of those capital losses, but you really have to look stock by stock. Mm. Um, the other thing is, I think more often than not, the Straits Times Index rallies in the first part of the year. And then it's range-bound after that. In fact, if you look back over the past three years, the SCI has basically traded between about 3,000 and 3,350. It's currently not quite at the midpoint of that range, closing yesterday at 31.16. And I think that sets us up well for a good rally in the first part of the year. Uh, why does it do that? Is there, is there some kind of a pattern related to like Singaporean tax breaks that give Singaporean institutional investors a reason to put money to the stock market in the first part of the year? I mean, or is there, or is there, is there something else at play there? Like what, what would drive that, that trend 
year on year? I think it's really institutional reshuffling. So it's the end of the year, beginning of the year, when you have institu- institutional investors who are saying, okay, where are we going to put our money? And then they, uh, you know, they reinvest in stocks and pay good dividends. Uh, but you know, as the year goes on, they they cash out or they look elsewhere. Hmm, okay. And uh, of course, Singapore is the king of REITs in Asia. What do you? What's your take on what's happening with REITs? Yeah, it's been a rough year for the real estate investment trusts, uh, but I would say there are signs of a turnaround. Let's take some context first. Um, the sector has been hit by high interest rates, and that's increased the cost of financing and debt payments for REITs because they generally use debt to fund their property purchases. Mm. Uh, there's been changes in demand, as you know. I mean, companies wanting smaller offices because more people are working from home. If you look at the IEDGE SREIT index, it's down about 11% from its peak earlier this year. That was back in February. But over the past seven weeks, get this, Andrew, it's up 14% since late October. Nice. So what accounts for the change in sentiment? Um, I think one is that changing interest rate environment we're hearing from the states and an expectation that rates have peaked. Uh, Also worth noting that REITs with office properties in the U.S. as well as data centers are leading the way. Uh, Not all is golden, though. Look over at China and Keppel DC REIT, uh, one of the REITs listed here, announced that one of its tenants in Guangdong is behind in the rent Uh to the tune of more than $9 million. Man, that's that's a bit of a hole to fill. Um, okay, so REITs, um, I mean, so so we've got uh, Singapore King of REITs, but it also puts itself out there as a bit of a tech center. Um, and there's there's one story that's maybe indicative, the 1-7 Live uh, situation. Now, for those that don't know the background, maybe you can give us a bit of a background and tell us what's going on. Okay, so 1-7 Live, it's a company which is streaming media, live streaming. And it went public about two weeks ago here in Singapore, and it's the first company to start trading via SPAC. Do you remember SPACs? Those are the special purpose acquisition companies. Yeah, they were. You know, they, these, I remember them. They were hot, and I thought, I thought they were kind of done. But uh, are, they, are they making a, a revival in Singapore? Is it a different form, or is this a one-off? Well, you know, Andrew, when you say they were hot and when you say they're done, I think you are right on both counts. I mean, they were so popular in the U.S. about two to three years ago, and then they ran out of steam amid increased investor scrutiny. Well, we had our first de-SPAC happening just this past month, you know, past two weeks here in Singapore with 1-7 Live. So a SPAC raised money. And then it goes looking for a company to invest it in. It's essentially a backdoor listing for that company. Mm. And the company that it found was this live streaming media company, 1-7 Live. It had an IPO price, an initial trading price, I should say, of about $5 a share. It's currently at about one fifty-six. That's a 70% drop. And what's Ooh. clear here is that the companies who initially invested in it, well, they cashed out. Uh, take the cornerstone investor, Fullerton Fund Management. It redeemed all of its shares. So this is not a good sign for SPACs, and it's not really a good sign for tech either. And because Singapore is trying to bring more tech companies here, you see this happen, and well, you know, it's fallen flat on its face. Oi, not good. So uh, okay, so if we see people despacking, uh, maybe hands off. That's <laughs> maybe somewhere you don't want to go, is what you're telling me. Yeah, and I mean, you got to look behind those initial glamorous numbers, if you will, because One Seven Live is losing money. In fact, mm-hmm. the losses are growing. It lost nearly 120 million U.S. dollars in the first half of the year, about three times as much as a year earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I think when investors said, hey, look, we can cash out, you know, that's what they did. Gotcha. 
gotcha. So, so I know uh, changing gears a little bit, uh, a little bit holiday thinking. I know uh, Singapore is a very multicultural place. Uh, with, you know, strong Buddhist, Taoist, a, v- a vibrant Jewish community that just celebrated Hanukkah. I'm guessing there must be some Christians running around. Um, and they'll be celebrating Christmas. Um, you know, traditional smells on Christmas morning, like the, the turkey in the oven. And, of course, traditional Christmas smell of durian in the air. Uh, there's something going on with the durian market in Singapore in the run-up to Christmas. What is up with durian? What? Up is definitely the right word because a durian north of here, up in Malaysia, it sold for a record price, 185,000 ringgit for one single durian. durian. A single durian. One durian. And that's about 300,000 Hong Kong dollars, about 40,000 US for one durian. What was so special about that durian? Well, it's a Musang King durian, or Maoshang Wang, as it's often called. And these durians, I mean, people love them because it's a mix of bitter and sweet. Uh, They say when you take a bite into it, um, sometimes you don't even know what you're going to taste. It's a bit of a surprise. And it was a charity auction, and the price started at 2,000 ringgit. 2,000 ringgit only ended up going for 185,000. That's a hundredfold gain. And I don't know what to tell you, Andrew, other than people love their durian. Wow. I mean, I do I do charity auction uh, professionally, and I would love to have auctioned off a durian for 185,000 ring at 300,000 Hong Kong dollars. Is, is that going to be indicative of the – there's not like a durian shortage or anything going on. This, this was a bit of a, a one-off, yeah? Well, I mean, the Musang King durians generally sell for more, but not that much more. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing, you know, 300,000 Hong Kong dollar durians all over the place. But I, I certainly hope the people who bought this one enjoyed it. Gotcha. Wow. Fantastic. Hey, we've got about 30 seconds left. If, if you had to give us your number one prediction uh, for Singapore business for 2024, what would it be? We're, we're asking people for a hard prediction. A hard prediction. I'm going to say that REITs, if you dive down and look at the right ones, that they are going to do well in 2024. And uh, I'll just share DBS Research. They like people, uh, excuse me, Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust, uh, as well as OUE Commercial REIT. So Maple Tree Pan Asia. All right, and OUE. Uh-huh. Thank you very much, Michael. You know, having you close out my last money talk of the year has just made it all worthwhile. Thank you so much. That is Michael Swido, author publisher, uh, financial journalist. Thank you very much for joining us.